Did you ever think you were made it? I feel I'm so close I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to hate it. Now they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. This is Patrick Medivy, your host of ITM, and today we're going to talk about the U.S. election system. You know, you hear all this stuff about delegates, gerrymandering. You hear all this stuff about, you know, how they have the caucuses. How does all this stuff work? You ought to know about it before you vote a president, right? We're going to talk about it today and probably have some fun with it as well. 11 steps on how to become a president. You decide, I want to be a president. What is a step on becoming a president? Number one, you got to qualify. 35 years old, natural born citizen lived in U.S. for at least 14 years. Step number two, have a clear message. Step number three, you need to fill out the form FEC Form 2, which you can go to FEC.gov to fill that out. And you need to show that you've spent $5,000 on your campaign or you've raised $5,000 on your campaign. Step number four is get on the ballots in your states. Then number five, build a campaign team, start raising money, then participate in debates, then show up in polls, then convert non-believers, then get endorsed, write a book. And last but not least, step number 11, you got to maneuver, pivot, embrace all attacks because everybody's going to attack you from so many different angles. And if your message is solid, if you raise a lot of money, if you got good following, if you got good endorsement, if you got a way of telling your story good and you're good at handling all the attacks, then maybe you got a shot and you'll have to go through getting your delegates then you'll get your 270 electoral votes to become a president so before we get into that let's go through the timeline of this election 2020 election and we'll go all the way back to the day President Trump gives this inauguration speech which I believe is January 20th of 2017 so just to kind of give you ideas on what things take place so that happens 2017 November 6th Andrew Yang is the first one that comes out and says look I'm gonna run for office and I'll be a president then January 25th 2019 RNC unofficially endorses Trump first mass rally for Trump in El Paso then Bernie Sanders gets into it on February 19th April 25th Biden announces it June 18, Trump kicks off his rally in Orlando. June 26 and 27 was the first Democratic debate that took place in Miami. And they had two batches. It was the lower ranking candidates first went on the first one, which wasn't that big. Then you have the second one, which is the Sanders, the bigger names, the Bidens who are on the stage. And they kind of set it up that way. And the guys from the second are trying to get to the main stage. And then September 12 was the third debate, Texas. And then uh, October 15th, they did a fourth debate in Ohio. November 20th, they did the next debate in Atlanta. November 24th was Bloomberg announced he's running now. And Bloomberg didn't show up on the public stage. He didn't debate. You don't hear him give a lot of speeches. It's a lot of money. He's got $60 billion with owning Bloomberg. So he can do all these Super Bowl ads and two and five, six million dollars means nothing. He can spend $10 billion. He won't even feel it if he wanted to. But he's hoping for brokered convention, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And then sixth debate happens in LA. And then you have January 14th, which is a seventh debate in Iowa, leading to February 3rd, the Iowa caucuses, which Iowa caucuses, it's not really a big meaning like where people gonna identify like this person's gonna win if you want Iowa but the whole purpose of Iowa is to create momentum so they go there and people are trying to win delegates these candidates are working for that and then February 7th is the eighth debate in New Hampshire because New Hampshire is the original first primary which is February 11th February 19th is the ninth debate February 22nd is Nevada caucuses and then you have Super Tuesday March 3rd which we'll talk about what March 3rd is it's a very very big day because it falls into the second phase of 
these candidates trying to win delegates. Next, you have July 13th to the 16th, which is the actual DNC, that's the Democratic National Convention. This is when we find out who the Democratic nominee is going to be. It's the epic moment where somebody goes up and says, I accept the nomination, and then balloons drop, confetti goes craziness. And also at the same time, this is a place where maybe there's a brokered convention. And a brokered convention, things get different. It's a very heated, and we'll talk about that here in a minute as well. And typically about these Democratic National Commission and Republican National Commission, if a Republican is in office right now, was the last one who won and left office, Democrats go first, then it's Republicans. But if a president's in office that's a Democrat, Barack Obama, Republican National Convention goes first, then it's the Democratic National Convention to find out who's who. So then you got the Republican National Convention right after that, which should be August 24th to the 26th. Then it starts. Now we know who's going to be facing off Trump. So then September 29th will be the first presidential debate at the University of Notre Dame, Indiana. October 7th will be the VP debate in Utah. Some say it doesn't matter at all. Some say it does. It's interesting on who they choose as their VP. Then October 15th will be the second debate that will take place in Michigan. Then they'll have a third debate that will take place in Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. Then it's election day, November 3rd. Then after that, you got all these other, you know, electorals got to get together and put it together. And then January 6th, the votes are finally formally counted and it's official. And then January 20th, 2021, whoever's the president will be given an inauguration speech. So now you kind of have some of the steps and some of the dates that we've gone through, right? Now let's get into the numbers on what the formula is and what the method to the madness is and the science behind this. By the way, there's a lot of predictive analytics guys that are being hired right now on campaigns because it's... It's all a formula on how this works out. So the road to 270, that's how you become a president once you're nominated. The road to 270, and the 270 numbers of 538 electoral votes that you have. Of that 538, 100 are senators, two senators per state. Then you have 435 House of Representatives, and three from D.C. makes up 538, and that's your Congress, okay? So to win this... You first got to win delegates. By the way, this whole electoral votes, the reason why we have the system the way that we have, which is you saw President Trump, you constantly hear people saying, well, Hillary won the majority votes, but Trump won the electoral, right? There's only been five times where the person who won and became a president won electoral, but didn't win majority. Trump is one of them, Bush is another one, Harris is another one, Rutherford Hayes is another one, and John Quincy Adams is another one. There's only happened five times. Those are the five times that's happened with, right? So that's the numbers that you have. But before going into the electoral, you got to kind of look at some of the states. At the top, it's California with 55. So then you see Texas, 38, then Florida, 29, and New York. And you can pretty much look at this list to see the highest is California and the lowest is many states tied with three. You know, Dakota, Alaska, Wyoming, Vermont, you know, Montana. Those are three. But this is the key part to think about, the difference between the electoral and the majority. If becoming a president was all about the majority, then you would just go to a handful of states. You'd go to California, New York, Texas, you know, you'd be going to some of these, uh, uh, Florida, that'd be your main focus. But the way they set it up is in a way where some states are pretty much no matter what going to be voting Democratic, and some states, states are no matter what going to be voting Republican, which is why they call it the red state or blue state. And then you got the purple state, which we'll talk about red state and blue state. This started back in the 80s, okay? Back in the 80s when ABC, CBS, and NBC started going and talking about colors with states. Back then, believe it or not, the only channel that had it right from day one that stuck to it was ABC. 
They put Democrats as blue, Republicans as red, and they've always been that way. But in, originally, CBS had Democrats as red, Republicans as blue, so did NBC. Then immediately, CBS in the next election changed. And then eventually in 1992, uh, NBC was still looking at Democrats as red, Republicans as blue. Then in 1996, they were all on the same page, red and blue. That's why you hear about the red states and the blue states. So the red states, Republican, blue states, Democrats, right? You hear about this kind of stuff typically, red and blue, okay? So you'll see a lot of time, president election, you'll see they'll wear, they'll wear a blue tie. Barack Obama wears blue ties all the time. He's trying to say, I'm a Democrat. You'll see Republicans wear a red tie. They're trying to say, I'm a Republican, right? So then you have the swing states. Swing states are kind of like purple because they're red and blue. And these are the ones that you'll see a lot of times strategically they'll campaign over. So that's Florida, that's Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, North Carolina, Virginia, Minnesota. You know, you got uh, uh, Wisconsin, you got Colorado. You got a few, I think it's like 13 of them that you're fighting for to see who gets what. And they can go right, they can go left. So you can win those states. So this is why I kept hearing about Trump kept going to Ohio, kept going to Pennsylvania. And, you know, Hillary didn't really go to Ohio, didn't really go to Michigan. And she wasn't really spending a lot of time because they thought for sure they're going to win it. And they didn't. But Trump kept going, boom, boom, I'm here, I'm here. And then that's how he got his 300 and I don't know what the number is, 313 to 236, some number like that that happened when he came to electorals, right? So that's the electorals. Now let's talk about delegates. Okay, this, this is what stuff gets little technical, little uh, uh, crazy, so brace, uh, stay with me here because you'll get it by the time we go through this together. So think about it this way, before you win your 270 uh, electoral votes, right, to become a president, you got to go and win states, and you're fighting for some of the swing states, but within the state, when you break down the state, they have delegates, Republican and Democratic delegates that you got to win the delegate votes, right? And to win those, these break down into districts, it's not as simple, it could be counties, and they draw them up, and they change them up, and that's when it gets a little bit technical, but I want to simplify it for you on how this works. So, selection process to pick your candidate. There's primary, there's caucuses. Primary is what? It's typically how the system works, you know, you go and you vote, and they count all the ballots, they count all the votes, and then boom, this person wins this place. Caucuses are different because caucuses are the old system. This is why you notice Iowa was in having all these problems with the way they had their app and oh my gosh, it's complicated. This, because that's how America was originally, they would go to these caucuses. And here's how caucuses work. It's not primary where everybody's voting. They go in a room and these delegates start debating with each other and they go into groups. Oh, we're, we're over here for Sanders. No, we're over here for, you know, Biden. No, we're over here for Putin. We're over here for this. And they're talking, da, 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 da. and they're going back and forth. They're raising their hands. They're voting this way. It's very, very old school, meaning it's eventually going to be all primary. But today we still have the caucuses. And it's not that many states, by the way. You're only dealing with uh, 13 or something amount of states that you're working with as caucuses, right? So primary caucuses. So Alaska, Colorado, Hawaii, Kansas, Maine. Minnesota, Nevada, North Dakota, Wyoming, Iowa are caucuses that we're dealing with, right? So now let's talk about a delegate. What is a delegate? A delegate is an authorized person to represent others, in particular, an elected representative sent to a conference. That's what you call a delegate. So now, how does one become a delegate? A delegate must be a registered voter, 18 years old, and resident of a state or district. And there's two different types of delegates. There's the established party insider, or it's the politician themselves. So it could actually be, you'll hear when we go through them, mayor, it could be a senator, it could be a congressman, it could be a lot of different things, but it could be an insider or it could be somebody that's a politician themselves. 
How are they chosen? By voters, by the party, or by the presidential candidate? Very simple. By voters, by party, or by presidential candidates. Now, when we continue here, you'll hear some states work a little bit differently, which means, you know, some states will have a little bit more diversity attitude. Wisconsin will say, we want 12 of our delegates to be African-Americans, and we want 12 to be from LGBT community. No problem. Florida may say, we want half to be men, half to be women. Some of them are going to have their own things, but that's kind of how they choose their delegates. So now, the one part you need to know about delegates, it's not... Um, you go in a state and you win, you know, 17 of the delegates and then the other 13 goes to somebody else. Maybe your Sanders, you win 17, 13 goes to Warren. I'm just giving you an example here. The way delegates work is majority takes all. So meaning if it's 17, that entire state's delegates beats their 13, all of it goes to the same person, even though those 13 don't agree that Sanders is their candidate, okay? They still have to go to them because that's how the system works for delegates, except for two states, which is Maine and Nebraska. Maine and Nebraska could be three goes to a candidate and two goes to somebody else. Three goes one place, one goes here, and one goes here. They'll break it down, Maine and Nebraska, everywhere else. Uh, winner takes all. That's how the delegates work. For this phase, unless if it's a brokered convention, then things change. Stay with me here. So now, the number to win, here's what we had, 2016, 2017. The numbers changed, so the amount of delegates we have today are not the same as we had in 2016. In 2016, the Democratic de uh, delegate was a total of uh, 4707. Today, it's 4750. So the magical number to win delegates is 2,376 on the second ballot, if there is a brokered convention, but the magical number is 1991 on the first ballot. Whoever gets to 1991, that's pretty much going to be the nominee, and they don't need to go to second phase, which is part of the brokered convention that we have. So you may say, Pat, what is first ballot? What's, what's second ballot? Well, first ballot doesn't include superdelegates, because there's 3,979 Democratic delegates and there's 771 superdelegates, but we may not need to go into superdelegates. And remember, the delegates, it's winner takes all. So you may not like a candidate, and they have to go to that person anyways. But the superdelegates don't play by those rules. They're unpledged, which means they're not committed to an individual candidate. They can choose to go to a completely different direction if they want to, but not the pledged. The unpledged are not committed. The pledged delegates are committed. So for example... Somebody may say, how do I become a superdelegate? Who is a superdelegate? It's all Democratic governors, senators, House of Representatives. They are superdelegates. Number two, being a DNC member, which there's 20 ways of becoming a DNC member. I'm not going to get into it. That's another way of being a, uh, a superdelegate. And last but not least is the distinguished member of the party, which I think right now it's 20. It's typically less than 20. This one I think is 22. A President Barack Obama is a superdelegate, right? A speaker of the House is a superdelegate because they are more at the top and they kind of have protection of the party. So they're going to look at it and say, this is the direction we want to go to. This is why you saw last time when Bernie was going against Hillary, it was a close race, 1850 to 1819. I don't know, but some number like that. And then all of a sudden, when it came to superdelegates, 90% of the superdelegates were for Hillary. It was overwood, which means she had the establishment. Bernie didn't, okay? So Hillary became the nominee while Bernie was still close to it. So it's going to change this time because there's a lot of different things and you keep hearing about the brokered convention. That's why Bloomberg got in the race and Bloomberg's got all the money in the world and he's hoping for a brokered convention. A brokered convention is when no one, no one candidate 
gets all the delegate votes. When no one candidate gets it, then it's a brokered convention. When it's a brokered convention, this is what happens. So there's going to be, a, by the way, the last time we had a brokered convention was 1948. I want to say it's Dewey and uh, Truman. Dewey and Truman was the last time we had a uh, brokered convention in 1948. And so what happens the following. So you'll have all these uh, delegates that are there and they're like, no, I'm for Biden. No, I'm for Sanders. No, I'm for Buttigieg. No, I'm for, you know, such and such. No, I'm for this person. And they start recruiting each other and selling each other. Look, your person's not going to win. you got to come over here to us. I'm just telling you, there's no chance your person's going to win. Come over here. If you do, we can help your person become the speaker. We can help your person become this. We can help your person become secretary. We can help your person maybe a VP. And then they start talking to one another, almost like negotiating with each other. Then eventually, by this is done, they get somebody that becomes a nominee. And then they announce, okay, after the brokered convention, we figured out who our person's going to be. In 1948, when it was brokered, it became uh, uh, Dewey. And then Dewey ends up going up and running against uh, 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 Truman, right? And then that's when you saw the, the newspaper comes out and says, oh, Dewey wins. And then Truman's holding him and saying, no, he didn't really win. I really won. That, that's 1940, the last time we had a broker convention. Chances are against it. Odds are against it because most likely Sanders is looking right now that he could win, even though Pete's got some momentum right now at the beginning. But we'll see what happens. So that, in a nutshell, is how this madness takes place on how they become uh, president. By the way, there's three phases of voting. Phase one is what happens with the early states. It's four states, which is Iowa, which is New Hampshire, which is Nevada and South Carolina. This only totals up 155 of the delegates, 4% of all the delegates. Now, phase two is slightly different because it's not 150, but a lot, a lot more is on the line. This is when Super Tuesday happens. And Super Tuesday typically falls on the first Tuesday of March following a Monday. So it can't be the first Tuesday and it's the first Mar March 1st. It would be March 8th. It has to be a Monday, then there's a Tuesday, it's a Super Tuesday, right? And the race here is for mid-March contest, and a lot's on the line, by the way. You're talking about 14 states. Uh, uh, first part of the Super Tuesday's got 1,344 uh, delegates for grabs. Then the mid-March contest is 11 more states. By the time this is over with, it's 61% of all the delegates have been accounted for, just so you know that. 61% of the 3,979 have already been accounted for. So that's phase two, and then phase three is the final one, which is a slug, this, this, this is between March 18th to June 6th. You're gonna get the remaining 39%. I think April 28th ends up becoming the biggest day because that's New York and Pennsylvania. And at this point of the game, people pretty much know who it's going to be. You know, typically at this point of the game, people pretty much kind of have an idea, yeah, it's gonna be this person as the winner or that person as the winner. And then the momentum's being built to the Democratic National Convention and you're already seeing the Republican candidates start taking shots. Whoever Trump goes after the most, just remember this, whoever President Trump goes after the most, that's pretty much a candidate. Just keep that part in mind. If he's going after Sanders, it's him. If he's going after Warren, it's him. If he's going over Biden or Pooh, it's them. And by the way, he may also have somebody that he wants to win because he would prefer to face. So he may campaign for that person in the weirdest way, which is very, very, uh, remember how I talked to you about the pivoting, the mover, the embracing, the conflicts? You may all of a sudden see President Trump start protecting Sanders or protecting certain people. It's like, why is he doing this? Because he wants to go against this person more than he wants to go against another person. Again, that's another strategy where you see with politics. By the way, there's a lot of people that, you know, some people are like, oh, I can't wait for Super Bowl, fantasy football. Some people are NBA people, MLB people, hockey people, soccer, World Cup, all this other 
other stuff. There are certain people that during this season, when the election happens, this is their sports. This is their own fantasy. This is their own how they score with the delegates and who's going to win this state and that state. I mean, some crazy stuff happens with people that are into politics. This one obviously matters a lot, even though uh, you had a lot of the Wall Street guys out of New York that said uh, uh, privately in private meetings. I had some recent meetings with Goldman Sachs and some different economists. And you hear a lot of people talking about the fact that if Sanders and Warren are the lead for the Democratic national on, on the Democratic side, they're not going to support him. They're going to support Trump. These are Democratic Wall Street people. They're going to go to Trump because they're seeing what the economy is doing right now. And you're hearing about Warren and Sanders. They want to raise taxes, you know, $60 trillion, Medicare, all this stuff. And they don't have a clue on how they're explaining to pay this stuff. And, and the finance guys in New York are not very comfortable with it. They're comfortable with a broker commission and a Bloomberg going in or possibly Joe Biden, although Joe Biden's having a hard time creating momentum. So it's going to be very... Very, very interesting. If you want like a pay-per-view match of a, you know, two people going at it, Bloomberg against Trump, oh my gosh, it'd be epic if that takes place. This is when you hear Bloomberg, you know, they're talking about if they face each other, it'll be two billionaires going up against each other, and Bloomberg tweets out, who's the other billionaire? That's the kind of heated New York mayor, real estate, feuds, it'll be pay-per-view type of stuff. It'll be the debates that no one, if Bloomberg goes against Trump, no one's going to miss these debates. Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.